podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Phillips Laven of the 1012 Podcast here. Have you been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I? Well, you're, you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site. And if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. Welcome to the 1012, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. I am your host, Philip Slavin. Joining me, as always, on Mondays, and I say always because I mean that like forward moving, not necessarily backwards leaning, Andy Mitz. Oh, I just thought I'd stay silent, you know, so no one could laugh at me, but um, apparently that's not going to work today. <laughs> and Jamie Steyer. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you thought he was just going to talk to yourself because talk to himself because i mean this we're in the same boat pal glorious start a <laughs> glorious start on a on a monday which is understandable um for those of you who all understand that jamie and andy are fans of iowa state and kansas two of the teams uh who we will be talking today obviously uh just just so we go ahead and get let's get this out of the way um today and only for day, and these are the rules. These I, I don't write the rules, these are the rules. This officially becomes a Sun Belt Fun Belt pod uh, after the uh, the Big 12 decided to go 0-3 against the Sun Belt this weekend uh, in, in not-so-glorious fashion. And look, we're going to talk about the teams who did well, and, but that's not nearly as much fun, I guess is the right word, or as important right now as talking mm. about the teams that did not have a great Saturday, and that includes you, Texas Tech. Don't worry, you're not getting off the hook that easily. <laughs> um, so let's start with, I think, which was the, I think the one that was maybe the most surprising, both in how it went and that it came down the way it did. And that would be Iowa State losing to Louisiana 31-14. to 14. Um, I mean, look, Jamie, Andy, as we talked about in the preseason heading into this game, when the schedules were announced, when this game was announced, it was we kept saying, Iowa State, why are you doing this? Why mm-hmm. would you schedule a game against a team like this? Now, for, it, it was an upset alert. It was a trendy upset pick. It was a, this could be really exciting. But I don't think deep down, even though I picked Louisiana to cover the 11.5 point spread, I don't think deep down that I really thought Iowa State would lose this game. I thought it was just one of those games where you were like, man, 
Probably shouldn't have played that. Good thing we got out of there with a W. Let's move forward to conference play. Instead, Iowa State drops a game against a, albeit very, very well-coached Sunbelt team by 17 points. Uh, Get shut out in the second half. I, uh, guys, um, what were your thoughts on the Iowa State performance? Because honestly, I I watched some of it. I I mostly watched Kansas State. So you guys might have to do a little bit for me here as far as... um, just what what did you guys see that made you go, oh, that's why this happened? Yeah, I mean, I ain't gonna lie to you. Uh, I act really overconfident, and that was really just wishful thinking because in the back of my mind and a lot of Cyclone fans, we were looking at it like this is really, really, really not going to be good because you take a team that's notorious – for starting off incredibly poorly in the season. That's notorious for struggling under extremely high expectations. And then you give them a game against someone who comes out of a conference that doesn't get a lot of respect, that doesn't get a lot of significant success, but the team itself is good. They've got good players. They had good results last year. So you're looking at it and you're like, this is easily, after having the game canceled due to weather, this was the most Iowa State result possible. And the unfortunate thing is that it, you almost have less of a reaction to it because you're just so used to it. Like this isn't new territory at all. Yeah, I mean, the the big difference in this game, honestly, was special teams. Like, Iowa State isn't known for super spectacular special teams, but I don't think I've seen a team that's been this bad at special teams play um, for a very long time, especially under Matt Campbell. And, you know, like, they, they gave up two huge touchdown returns. And for the most part, like, the rest of what Iowa State did, I mean, yeah, there was that not-so-great interception – there was the fumble that was early in the first half, but like a lot of the problems that Iowa State had offensively, I it seemed to me it came down to them pressing because Brock Purdy really realized, hey, I'm getting no help from this return game, you know, from this coverage team. And so I'm going to have to go out and make a play if we're going to win this game. And he started pressing a little too much, especially in that fourth quarter. And it came back to bite them. They weren't able to get anything going because he panicked. And, and we're not used to seeing Iowa State panic. But I think we're also not used to seeing Iowa State give up so many horrible special teams plays that puts them so far behind. The the Iowa State defense, I thought, actually did fairly well for the most part. You know, yeah. they, they were able to prevent like a, there was a missed field goal off of a fumble that was early in the in the in the first half or in the first half there. Um, you know, they were able to force another missed field goal off the interception that happened in the second half. Like they were able to clamp down and really kind of keep um louisiana from doing much except for you know very very specific situations here and so like like there was one really long touchdown play um that that happened in the second i'm sorry touchdown drive that happened in the second quarter and then the last one to kind of put them up at that point the game was already over you know they weren't really able to to get the ball back and once once louisiana really started marching down the field at the end you know that that i didn't think they were really going to be able to stop them um you know, so the game looked a lot worse, I think, than it actually was. And it really just came down to that special teams play. If, if they can get that fixed or have it not be the debacle that it was, 
this team looks like they've got, you know, the pieces that they need to be a middle of the road Big 12 team at the very least for the rest of the year. I mean, yeah, your stretch that was terrible. I mean, you look at the second, it's in the second half. It, it, Louisiana scores on a 78-yard play, like just one play, 78-yard touchdown. Iowa State gets the ball back. Six plays later, they punt, and that's returned for a touchdown. And that was the game. It was 24-14. that was basically over from there. Um, yeah, I, was, I mean, Louisiana put up another one right at the very end of the game that, that just was increased the, the, the score, but it didn't, it didn't impact the, the outcome. The game was over. And the defense did fine. You take those two special teams plays away, and that's 14 plays off now. And then it suddenly it's a it's a 17-14 game. And I think your bigger concern to me for Iowa State is how poor the offense looked. I know Charlie Kohler was out, and I know Iowa State's wide receiving core is, as I've been told, they're they're talented. They're they're potential, but I've yet to see the potential really live up to itself. And people can say, oh, well, this and this. The potential has to has to do better. But I understand Charlie Kohler is out, but the offensive line, we did an offensive line rating pod before the season, and I got we got some grief because of the where we ranked Iowa State's offensive line. It was not impressive on Saturday. It looked like the Iowa State offensive lines we're used to, which is we're told that we're gonna have a really good one, and we had an okay one that was all right. Um Brees Hall had a nice get day, uh twenty carries, 103 yards, and a touchdown. But man, I just the offense was the problem. And yeah, you've I mean, got Brock Purdy. You, yeah. When you say like, oh yeah, Kohler's out, whatever. It's like, yeah, that's one player. You know, like if your entire offense can be completely demolished by having one player out, then like you're kind of cooked before you even start. Because first of all, he can't play every single down. But second of all, you're going to be hurt. You're going to gets it like something's going to happen. And if you completely have to rely on one player, let alone like rely on your one tight end. I mean, there's, you got more issues than just him being out. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's also one of those things like, you know, I could maybe listen to the argument that Kohler is a really good blocker, but when everyone's talking about what they were going to miss with him being out, it was his contribution in the receiving game. So like, Mm -hmm. like him going out for passes doesn't fix the offensive line problems. Um, you know, if, if, if there's another guy tight end, like if they're counting on a tight end to shore up offensive line issues, then Kohler isn't going to make that much of a difference because he's going to be in there to a block and you're not going to really take advantage of that talent that he really has. And so, you know, yeah, I mean, it was one of those things. I didn't think their offensive line was going to be this bad, like, uh, you know, but to be honest, like I'm having a hard time saying that they have, you know, I mean, like, I would say that they have either the ninth or 10th offensive line, depending on how you think of some of these other teams. And I mean, there was a lot of bad offensive line performances from the Big 12 on Saturday. And it's it's saying a lot that I think Iowa State had probably one of the worst ones. So Iowa State's got a week off and they have to go to TCU. Then Oklahoma comes to town. Then Texas Tech comes to town. I, I, you're going to see a lot of work done in these next two weeks. The other thing here, and, and Jamie, you kind of teased it. But at a certain point, you are what you are. And I know we like to make the statement that, oh, Matt Campbell doesn't care about non-conference. I'm not sure that that's really the case, but there is an issue here with non-conference because Iowa State in the month of September is not good. And this is becoming, we, we, we talked about, this is not a good game for them to schedule because of how poorly they come out the gate. Iowa State has a problem coming out the gate. And I don't know if it's, 
well, they want to hold the offense back. They don't want to show everything. That's if that's the case, at a certain point, then this is this is this is your own fault. Like you've done this to yourself and you kind of deserve this. Mm-hmm. Like they have to start coming out better to start the season because this is this was coming, a game like this and a loss like this. And I understand this is a COVID season and it's weird and all the offensive lines, I think offensive line is going to be a problem for everyone across the board, everywhere in college football, because it's it's the position group that needs the most time to actually have reps and you're just not getting reps and all that. We can, we can nitpick about this season all we want. This is an Iowa State problem. They do not come out of the gate well. They do not play well in September. And I don't care what you do in Big 12 play anymore until you can come out of the gate in September and actually play well. And, and until they do, we're just going to keep looking at an Iowa State team that, congrats, you're going to win eight games, and that's nice, but stop telling me you're a contender mm-hmm. for the Big 12 title or anything else until you can come out and start the season strong, until you can come out in week one and put teams away and not need three overtimes or two overtimes to be an FCS opponent or get beat by Louisiana. I don't care if two of the touchdowns are on returns or on special teams. This is a problem for Iowa State. It's been a problem since Matt Campbell got there. And it's a problem that they honestly need to look in the mirror and try and figure out what what to do about. Tell us how you really feel, Philip. I'm I am I like Iowa State, but I'm t- I'm I'm done caring about Iowa State if they can't do their end. Look, this is from a Big Twelve perspective. I'm not personally invested in Iowa State outside of being a Big Twelve fan and someone who just likes them and likes people who like them. Um, but from a Big Twelve perspective. Stop time. I don't need the national narrative to be that Iowa State's one of the best teams in the Big 12 because this is what they do in non-conference game. If that's right. one of the best teams in the conference, the conference is screwed and it deserves the reputation that it gets. Yeah. Fair. No, I mean, and the thing is that you you run into the issue of it, you know, they, they get better as the season goes on. They have improved, you know, they improve, whatever. But the thing is that you're starting to lose some of the goodwill that they've built up with the fan base. And that's a really dangerous game to play, especially at Iowa state. I mean, when you've got people who were the highest on Campbell a year ago, and we're talking about how incredible he is, how you're hoping that we don't lose him to some of the top jobs in the country. And then you've got people on, I mean, admittedly Twitter isn't like the be all end as far as fan bases go but when you've got people in there calling for his head calling for firing because this is so consistent because it's so disappointing because it's so hard to stomach that this is what happens every single year like something has to change because like I said especially in Ames at Iowa State you know for better or worse it's not like we have that much else to do like people get extremely invested people are very 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 concerned about it and at a certain point like something something has to get better or people are going to start just tuning out because it's too hard to watch that and have that happen every year when you get yourself emotionally invested and then you're just let down yeah and it's one of those things matt matt campbell built his reputation on getting big upset wins in the Big 12 and, you know, punching mm-hmm. well above what was supposed to be, you know, the weight that Iowa State had. And and so he made a name for himself in the first few years doing that. But the fact, like, so it wasn't it wasn't necessarily a horrible thing that they were having problems in the non-conference because it was a sign of him being an up-and-comer. But when, when that's your MO year in and year out is that you have problems getting started, you beat some teams that you probably don't think you should beat, but then you have some other hiccups along the way, like... That's that's not really anything that people want. That's the Frank Solich at Nebraska type of you know trajectory that you're on, where people get tired of 
not playing the way that you're supposed to, not taking that next step, and he's gonna that that, that shine's gonna wear off pretty quick if it happens for the next few seasons. Yep. All right. So this doesn't become an Iowa State pod. I know everyone's probably tired of us talking about Iowa State, <laughs> but you know they're probably already gonna yell at us enough. So 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 we should probably well, you know move on. When you're the biggest disappointment of the weekend for the Big Twelve to me, then. You you get the most tongue lashing. All right, so let's get through some of these other ones here that we need to get through. Uh, let's start with the other team whose offensive line was actually worse than Kansas than Iowa State's, and it's it's Kansas State's. Um, we knew this was a, a an Iowa, an offensive line that when we did our rankings were all like eight, nine, ten. I had them ten. Place all your starters, um, and it showed on on Saturday. Like Arkansas State had, I think, like. <laughs> I, I need to go find the number. Was it like 30 players out or something uh, or 13? They had a number of starters. That's not – you don't go into a game against Arkansas State who lost to Memphis, who's missing starters, and and lose that game. I'm sorry, you just don't. I like Arkansas State a lot. Um, they're a nice team. Blake Anderson is an awesome guy. But you shouldn't be at Kansas State losing to Arkansas State at home. Um, that offensive line was bad, and it showed in the play calling. Because if they got behind the sticks early, if they were looking at third and second and longs and third and longs, they were going conservative because they did not trust their offensive line to give them the time and the opportunity to make throws. And even when they were throwing the ball, I saw the like QBR whatever ratings that that Parker put out, and Skylar Thompson was ranked like sixth among quarterbacks this past weekend. And I just looked at that number and went, bull, like the numbers don't tell the story here because I watched Skylar Thompson and I watched him overthrow and float passes way out of the hands of wide open wide receivers running down in the field, ready to get a touchdown. And I just, and I look at that and I think Kansas state's got some real problems this season. We thought they would take a step step back this year, but that offensive line has a, is, is bad. That is a bad offensive line. It is a young offensive line. It's an inexperienced offensive line. So maybe bad is the wrong word for it, but that is an offensive line that this, that's, that's not good for Kansas State. That is not good if you're looking at Kansas State projecting uh down the schedule and trying to see a lot of wins on it because that they have Oklahoma next. I uh that was a bad performance. I think this was Iowa State's the most disappointing because they were the team with most expectations. This is the one where I look at and go, I know people were picking this upset, but that one is the one where the the outcome startles me even more than the outcome of Kansas and Texas Tech. Especially since the game, like, it started out so well for Kansas State. Like, you know, you you thought after watching the first few series that they were going to go ahead and win this one big and kind of do what we said, you know, what, what, what happened last year, where everybody doubted what they would be able to do coming into the season, like whether they could continue that and, you know, have the dominating lines as they used to. And it looked like Kansas State was going to have a fairly good, you know, setup the way that they did last year. And it just it just all fell apart. You know, I, I made the comment several times that it looked like they were getting dominated on the trenches in both the, you know, in both the uh, the offense and the defense. And it was just really, 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 really strange to see that, especially since they were so good last year. Um, so, yeah, I have no idea what's going on there. And, you know, this is kind of like that was the one advantage that Kansas State had that had kept them in games. You know, that's what allowed them to get the upset of Oklahoma last year. Um, and so if, if they get dominated in the trenches on both sides of the ball, the way that they did against an Arkansas state team that really honestly did not have any business hanging with them, um, especially the way they started the game, then they're going to have problems all year long with every single team in the big 12. And that includes teams like Texas tech and Kansas. 
Yeah, I obviously I was a little bit uh, otherwise occupied during most of that game. I will say that at least I have the benefit of I don't look completely delusional as far as football goes because as hard as I was riding for Iowa State, at least I saw that there was a potential there. So made me look at least a little bit like I know what I'm talking about. But yeah, the unfortunate thing is that something like a line can make such a huge difference. And that goes to the negative as well as the positive. And so, I mean, like I said, I didn't get to see really very much of the game at all. But you, the thing is that you want, like, when you cheer for a Big 12 team, especially in the non-conference games, like, you want to see other teams do well. However, I will say that, like, after Iowa State lost, I kind of wanted to see other people lose just as, like, a catharsis. But that's not generally, like, the right way to look at things from a conference perspective but it is unfortunate because I think that if they had a better showing I think if they had a little bit more solid of a line they would be I mean we'd be talking about them in a completely different way because if their line was a little bit more solid they probably wouldn't have lost the game so yeah it's just one of those things that it's it's just hard to really put your finger on exactly what needs to be done to fix it but without like a major swing in the other direction I just I just don't see them ending up with a particularly successful season and and Philip to your point about Skylar Thompson like um you know I actually got into a Twitter fight online (laughs) with with a K-State fan because (laughs) Skylar Thompson just does not look good he gets very lucky plays where guys break a tackle at the you know at the line of scrimmage and go off for huge runs, which really inflate his stats. He had the exact same thing happen to him last year, that either, you know, he would do the little shovel pass and a guy would find a hole and go for a 50-yard, you know, reception that really inflated his stats, or something else would happen. Like, most of his stats and the reason he gets rated so highly has absolutely nothing to do with what he is actually doing on the field. It's all about the scheme. It's all about, you know, the way that those little freebies um, are accumulating his stats. And so he, he is going to have to pick it up to overcome these issues because he doesn't have those to really hide his own deficiencies anymore. He's going to have to go out and make plays in order for them to do anything this year. Yeah. I just, this is a Kansas state offense about 91 yards rushing um, on 39 attempts. It's 2.3 yards per rush. That's not great. 283 yards passing 374 yards. The Arkansas and I understand total yards don't matter. Arkansas state put up 489. Arkansas state gave up a lot of yards to Memphis the week before and Kansas state could muster. They were one of 11 on third down. I just you you look at this Kansas State team and say, I'm I am very concerned. And Arkansas State did everything they could to lose that game. I, I watched it t- between turnovers, uh, just missed opportunities. Arkansas State you should should not have won that game. They had two turnovers. Kansas State didn't turn the ball over. Um, I just I look at that game and go, Kansas State offense is is going to struggle this season and the defense wasn't good enough to slow down Arkansas State from beating them this could be a bigger step back year in year two uh, for coach Clement than we thought that we would see um I they've got they've got a lot of work to do there in Manhattan and, and it worries me um all right Andy I, I got I have to ask you this question um and you have you have one minute to explain it because that's all I want to spend on this game as, as the person who talks Kansas for us, what do you have to say for yourself? Well, first, I have to appreciate you letting me save most of my vitriol for my own podcast. But um, really what this comes down to is that Les Miles, I think, used his influence to not allow Brent Dearman to pick a quarterback. 
Um, because they, they started by shuffling quarterbacks. No one was able to get any kind of rhythm going. Once Kendrick got into the game, which from what I understand, it was due to an injury to Thomas McVitie. Um, he actually was starting to make throws. The offense was seeming to be able to, you know, or the the line was able to, to block a little bit better. Um, but it really just came down to they had absolutely nothing going in the offense in the first half. And the defense got knocked in the mouth and wasn't ready for it. We always knew the defense was going to be a problem for this team. So, like, it wasn't that out of character for them. It wasn't that unexpected. But, you know, when your offense just absolutely can't do anything except for get a last-second field goal off a doink on the crossbar that happened to go through, you know, you have absolutely no business thinking that you can even come close to winning that game. And they were able to make a nice run in the second half to give you a little bit of hope that if they get that that consistency, they can at least scare some people in the Big 12. I'm not going to go out and predict any big wins anymore other than, you know, my obligatory, I have to say that they're going to beat Texas just because I think it would be hilarious if it actually happened. Um, But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they lost every game the rest of the way just because, you know, if if they have any more hiccups on that offense, and then, you know, they're not going to stand a chance. A little over 60 seconds, but I'll allow it. Yeah, if you go look at the play-by-play, here are the possessions for Kansas in the first half of that game. Interception, fumble, punt, missed field goal, interception, field goal. Um, meanwhile, Coastal Carolina, who if you look at the two bird mascots, you should have been able to figure out which team was going to wait win based off of those alone. Uh, <laughs> Coastal Carolina, touchdown, 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 punt, touchdown. Um, it was um, It was bad. It was bad. Uh, it, it wasn't the worst thing that happened. Like, I understand it's bad for Kansas and it's frustrating. And I, I agree on the quarterback situation of it, it was pretty obvious which one was the right one. And I hope whoever was the one that picked the right one gets to start making some of those decisions moving forward over the one uh, who did not. So Kansas, they've got a, they've got a, <laughs> a lot of work to do uh, before they have to go to Baylor. Not sure how that'll go, but we haven't seen Baylor yet. So we'll wait to make some discussions about that after we see Baylor. And, and we'll talk about their game this, this coming week here in a minute. All right. I know we should talk about Oklahoma. I know we should talk about Texas. And shout out to West Virginia. I know the opponent, Eastern Kentucky, isn't any good. But that's exactly what you want to see a team do to an inferior, less talented opponent. Props to West Virginia. They put the hurt on Eastern Kentucky. Big win. I, again, all the caveats aside, uh, it's an FCS team. That's what you should do. Uh, Kansas State should have beaten Arkansas State. Iowa State should beat Louisiana. La, 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 la. Right. Texas Tech should, and we'll get to that in just a second. But West Virginia, 56 to 10 over Eastern Kentucky. I know Eastern Kentucky's bad. I don't care. That was a nice showing from West Virginia. At this point, they're, they look like one of the better teams, maybe the top half teams in the Big 12. We'll see how that goes. They've got Oklahoma State coming up in two weeks, but. Props to West Virginia. They have it coming. Obviously, Oklahoma. I don't know how many of you guys watch this. I watched some of the highlights. Um, all, I'm not paying $50 to watch the game, but from what I could see and from some of the things I was able to to watch of, look, Rattler, I don't, I, it's, he's exactly what he thought he was going to be. He's ridiculous. He, I understand you're playing Missouri State, but you're putting throws in that I don't care what defense you're playing. No cornerback's going to be able to touch them. They are exactly where they need to be in tight windows for good receivers. I got no worries about Oklahoma moving forward. Texas, you you beat the tar out of UTEP. Um, if for anybody who watched the Texas game, uh, if that looks an awful lot like Oklahoma State circa 2017, that's because that's what, exactly what Texas is going to look like this year is Oklahoma State circa 2017. <laughs> that's Mike Yersich's offense. It looked very, very – OSU fans who might have turned in for that game were like, this is a weird case of deja vu in the wrong color orange. That's 
this is the offense that Texas needs. This is the offense that Ellinger needs. I think I got to bump Sam Ellinger. I, I had him at number two in preseason quarterback rankings. I'm bumping him up to one. Sorry, Brock Purdy. Don't care. Uh, him Fair. and Rattler right there. So props to Texas. Okay, enough props for people who beat teams that were terrible. Uh, Texas Tech and Houston Baptist. Texas Tech beat Houston Baptist 35-33 after Houston Baptist failed to convert a two-point uh, conversion after a touchdown late in the fourth quarter that could have tied the game. And Texas Tech was able to squeak out of there uh, with a victory. Yes, I watched a lot of this game. Uh, and the stat that sticks out to me, the stat that makes you, if you're a Texas Tech fan, go, oh, no. Houston Baptist put up 600 total yards of offense. Houston Baptist rushed for 28 and threw for 572. You knew they couldn't run the ball in the second half. You saw every time they tried to, they failed. Houston Baptist could not run the ball on Texas Tech to save their lives. Credit to Texas Tech for that. Credit to the Texas Tech defense for completely shutting down. I don't care how bad Houston Baptist is. You shut down a a rushing attack and held them to 1.2 yards per carry. Okay, That is good against anybody. But that team, who you knew couldn't run on you, you knew was going to have to throw the ball a whole lot, 31-51, 572 yards through the air, 11.2 yards per pass. This is the Big 12, folks. It's not the Big 10. There's a lot of passing attacks. We just saw Texas, who's going to be throwing the ball up. You just saw Spencer Rattler, Texas Tech. (laughs) Um, I'm a little worried for you. Yeah. Well, okay. So the thing is that we knew coming into the year, like, yeah, it's, you know, people have maybe less preparation time. Maybe they didn't get to develop as well as they usually would. So maybe there's going to be some weird things happening here and there. I don't think that this was the type of weird we were prepared for. Like something like that, especially like you said, it's not like the Big 12 doesn't throw. It's not like you get through this game and you're like, wow, that was really bad. Good thing we won't have to face that again. Like that really is just for all intents and purposes, like a sign of things to come. So it's one of those things that you look at it and all of these games could be just a blip of a highly disappointing blip of really blip that shouldn't happen but you know everyone could pull it together and have the seasons that they were meant to have but truly I mean you look at something like that and you're like is it possible to turn it around that much when you have a team like that put up those kind of ridiculous numbers I mean if you go up from there it's still not gonna look good yeah, I mean, you know, it's also kind of one of those things, you know, I, I when I did my my preview with the 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 Texas Tech guys on my podcast to kind of figure out what they were doing, like all I heard was, oh, well, Alan Bowman being the guy is going to fix the offense. They're not going to have tons of problems because it's going to be, a, you know, a coherent offense you're going to have with a quarterback who's competent. And look, the, the 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 defense was supposed to be, at least according to the guys that I talked to, like kind of a hidden gem that it was going to be a whole lot better than a lot of people were thinking. They had a lot of development. You know, they had some continuity. It was, you know, really developing the way it was supposed to be. And I'm calling BS after that because, you know, it's, it's one of those things. Houston Baptist, I'm sorry, is by far the worst opponent of any Big 12 team for the entire weekend. And I, that's even, I honestly even think that they're, they're better than, or I'm sorry, they're, they're worse than the opponent that West Virginia had. Um, and it's they're worse than UTEP. What? 
Uh, yeah, okay, I'm sorry. I'm you sorry. know how bad maybe UTEP not, is? Maybe not by far, because UTEP, you're right, is bad, but Houston Baptist <sighs> is not supposed to be good at all this year. Like, they are supposed to be one of the worst teams in their own conference, and, you know, I, I mean, it's just it's one of those things, they are not good at all, and they almost scored a gigantic upset in this game, because Texas Tech had failings across the board. The offense stagnated in way too many places where they weren't supposed to, you know, the the uh, the defense couldn't stop them in the second half for the most part, and the coaching decisions were absolutely horrible. When you are up by eight, oh, you know, on the four yard line of the opponent, you don't go for it. I don't care how dominant you think you are. You put the game away at that point. You take those points, and you don't have to worry about them coming down in you know six minutes, or I'm sorry, in 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 two and a half minutes to tie the game, and then give themselves an opportunity to go ahead and take the lead, like. That was a failing all around. It was the offense not not performing the way they were supposed to. The defense giving up, like, I mean, I don't even know that they can even say they had a defense after that because it was that bad. And and the coaching decisions, like, I, I was told that Matt Wells is supposed to be this really great tactician and they're really supposed to, you know, show people that they had everything they needed to put it together. They just dealt with a bunch of injury luck last year. And that very obviously was not the case because all around they just failed all over the place. They were, they were able to get the win, miraculously, but they did basically everything they needed to do to give it away. I will remind, for those who did not get to watch the game, Houston Baptist decided uh, in the position right before the half, uh, instead of kicking it, taking the field goal attempt, they went ahead and went for the touchdown and failed to get it. Uh, that w- It was 21-10. It would have made it 21-13 had they attempted and made the field goal. Uh, Houston Baptist lost by two points. Three points would have, you know, obviously it's it's a hard thing to play of the well-fitted in this, but that's how close Texas Tech came to losing a game to Houston Baptist on Saturday. Alan Bowman, that looked fine. I wasn't super worried about the offense, but yeah. Uh, no, nah, not good. Um, okay, that's enough railing on the fallacies of this weekend. I, I, a few points to hit before we uh, before we wrap up here. First of all, uh, I don't know how you guys spent your college football Saturday watching TV. I spent it uh, comfortably sitting in a nice cozy vintage design t-shirt from Homefield Apparel. Uh, their stuff is absolutely fantastic. If you have not gone to Homefield Apparel, if you don't follow them on Twitter, if you don't see the things that they are putting out on a regular basis, look, I have plenty of OSU shirts. I love them, um, but I'm a picky shopper. I don't just want my like Nike swooshed generic stuff. Like I'll sleep in those, but if I'm going to go out, if I'm going to go to a game, if I'm going to go to the bar and watch a game, if I'm going to really sit comfortably and watch a shirt, I want something where people look at it and go, dude, that's awesome. That shirt's awesome. Whether you're a fan of that team or not, that's the kind of stuff that Homefield Apparel puts out. Okay, you may not care about Hawaii or Tulane or Pittsburgh or Auburn, who just came out this last Saturday. And trust me, I am not an Auburn fan. But some of the shirts that they just put out and sweaters and, and the vintage logos that they put out of Auburn gear this past weekend were amazing. Okay, they're adding new schools all the time. They've got two Big Twelve schools, Iowa State and Baylor. They've got some of the best Iowa State shirts I've seen. Period, hands down. That's why I bought one. I have an Iowa State shirt, if that is Incredible. a weird thing for me to say out loud, but I do. Okay, They're looking to add new schools all the time. If you want them to, tweet at Homefield Apparel. It's at Homefield, A-P-P-A-R-L for the apparel part. Let them know. Like, Let them know. Go to whoever your like, school's gear, Twitter, or social media account is and just ask them about Homefield Apparel. Okay, Go to homefieldapparel.com. Go to homefieldapparel.com. Go check out the Iowa State. Go check out the Baylor. Go check out the new stuff they have from 
All the schools are adding every week. Their big new Saturday is awesome. When you get there, pick out a couple of shirts. Use the promo code 1012, all cap T-E-N, one, two at checkout. Get 20% off your first order. Guys, it's really, really cool stuff. I am pumped to have my home filled apparel shirts. I think you will too. I got the other one is Slippery Rock. Okay, it's Slippery Rock. If you don't know the story about Slippery Rock, go look it up. It's awesome. And also the shirt logo that I have is super cool. I'll put photos out very soon so you guys can see them. But go check out Home Filled Apparel. I think you guys are really going to like it. Okay, so to wrap up this weekend, let's just say this. I understand it's week one. But I have to ask a real question. In hindsight, did the Big 12 make a mistake in scheduling non-conference games? Not because they lost. Obviously, it's easy like, well, we lost, so we should have done it. More to do with the fact of the schools that Iowa State and Texas Tech and Kansas State played. These schools had already played a non-conference game beforehand. They had already had on-field experience. They had already played. And I understand these are inferior opponents and that they had issues and blah, 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 blah. But with the shortened preparation time that we've all had, with, with the, the off-season that basically wasn't, Getting on-field game experience to me is so big. It's why I'm a little worried for TCU um, and their opener against Iowa State and why I really don't know who's going to win that game. Getting to play on the field, I think, is so big for teams before they get rolling. Was the Big 12, Did the Big 12 make a mistake by scheduling these games and having opponents who have already played teams, giving them that advantage that you didn't have? Yeah, I mean... Obviously, I am very pro having the non-conference game and not rolling right into the conference play. I'm glad that the Big 12 allowed them to do a non-conference game. But yeah, I think it's exactly what you said. Then when you schedule someone who is not in the same position as you are, when you schedule a team that has had the chance to go out on the field and prepare themselves, I think that especially this year, it is a massive advantage because you get to go out, you get to work out the kinks, you get to you get to step on the field and say, oh, hey, we are actually playing a football game. Because I know there was people who were saying, yeah, we it sunk in that we were actually going to play about last week. You know, you've got people who are up until, you know, the, the kickoff happens, they're, they're just waiting for things to stop and shut down and be canceled. And so for you to be able to go out on the field and say, yes, this is happening and process that and then actually play the game. I mean, it's, it's a completely different situation when it's your first game of the season, especially this year. Yeah. I mean, I also think quality of opponent was probably Mm -hmm. one of the biggest mistakes because, you know, like Kansas, I don't think it was going to make a difference anyway, because, you know, if they were going to play, a, a, a lesser quality opponent, they probably would have tried to schedule it earlier in the season. Um, but Kansas had enough of their own problems anyway. Like, they wanted to keep this game on the schedule, um, partly because I don't think they really wanted to extend the, the the series that they had with Coastal Carolina. But, you know, I mean, it's just, like, that one I'm not necessarily so worried about because it was going to be a tough for Kansas anyway with all the problems they had, you know, with not having a quarterback or things like that. But teams like Iowa State that were supposed to have had it figured out, like you want to give yourself an opportunity in this in this season where things are not as normal to get off on the right foot to really kind of get going and and so 
you know, the opponent that you pick, like this is like the one spot where they actually could choose their opponent and they didn't do themselves any favors. Um, you know, like I just, I just think that a lot of them would have been better served either by picking their opponents better. Um, you know, kind of talking about what you're talking about, trying to find someone who hasn't started playing yet, like, like Baylor playing Houston, neither of those teams have played a game yet. So theoretically, you know, they don't, there is no advantage there for either of those teams because they're both kind of operating under the same assumptions. Um, but it's also, you know, one of those things like this is the one year that I would not have blamed any team that's doing non-conference from finding some cupcake from somewhere to get mm-hmm. their tune up, to get themselves going and getting ready for conference play. Um, you know, we saw some craziness in some of the other leagues, uh, you know, the, the ACC starting up, um, you know, there were some, there were some games that were a whole lot closer or a lot weirder than I really thought they should have been. Um, and you know, that's because you're playing a decent opponent in that first game. Weird stuff is going to happen. Um, and so, yeah, they didn't do themselves any favors. It was still good that they had the non-conference. I just think that this is like the one year you could have used that excuse of we're going to play a cupcake because we just need to get a tune up because we don't have the normal camp. We didn't have spring practices. We are way behind the eight ball and where we need to be at this point. So let's just go out there and do a glorified scrimmage. Yeah, so you still might lead in, but that's fine. We'll run with it. Okay, so heading into this coming weekend, we've got two Big 12 games. We're not supposed to have any. We have two. Oklahoma State and Tulsa was pushed back a week uh, because Tulsa had so many COVID cases uh, throughout the offseason that they hadn't had enough time to actually practice. So Oklahoma State was nice enough to push that game. So this will be the season opener for both Tulsa and Oklahoma State. Uh, the game is 11 a.m. on ESPN. Uh, OSU is a heavy favorite in that one. Um, just real quick, honestly, like for the Big 12's sake, OSU needs to win that game soundly. And this is not just coming from an Oklahoma State fan. Uh, if the Big 12 wants to have a shot at the playoff, and I realize there's three power conferences, but if the Big 10 does try and get things going and start stuff up in October, then they'll be back in play for the playoff. And the Big 12 is at a major disadvantage visually right now after what happened with Iowa State and Kansas State on Saturday. Um, they need Oklahoma, Texas, and Oklahoma State, and maybe somebody else to step up and, and, and be good and win um, if they're going to send a team to the to the playoff. So Oklahoma State's got a big opportunity against uh, – an okay Tulsa team and, and should do pretty well. Also, we get Baylor. Uh, their game against Louisiana Tech was this was, it was canceled. Maybe they'll schedule again later down the line another season. I don't know. But Baylor, at the last minute, and this is why, and I love these points, stop scheduling games 30 years in advance. You don't need to. We can make this happen a season before. But Baylor, Houston, losing their game against Memphis because allegedly a party bus was involved in, in the case of Memphis, so they're not going to be able to play. So Houston, with a week before the game, Heading to Baylor, heading to Waco for an 11 a.m. game on Fox. There wasn't even going to be a Fox like big game at 11, and now they have one. So on the one hand, thanks a lot, guys, for making sure the only two Big 12 games going happening are at the exact same time. Really <laughs> appreciate that. So I guess I'll be mostly watching OSU and flipping back to Baylor. Um, OSU got Tulsa. Baylor got Houston. Quality opponents, similar situation as you mentioned, Andy. Houston and Baylor this will be the season opener for both. Um, just real quick from both of you, how do you how do you feel about these games? Uh, I'm excited to have another game able to pull through. I mean, not just because it gives us more Big 12 football, but also because it bodes well for the rest of the season that you see how things can be arranged on such a short notice. You know, we were talking about how with bye weeks and with the inevitable um, having a game or two postponed sometime through the season in the Big 12 season, you know, you see how all right, we can line things up. We can make things happen on short notice. So just from a logistical standpoint, that's really awesome. 
Um, but yeah, I think that what you said was spot on. They're going to have to really put on quite a performance, I think, because they were, they were done no favors this week by their brethren in the Big 12. I would love to see Oklahoma State go out and put on an absolute show, not just because I'd love for you to be in a good mood when we record, but also <laughs> because it would be nice to have uh, that implies that you're not always you're you're always a joy to record with but uh it would it would just be nice to have someone go out and especially considering I won't have any rooting interest for the weekend I can latch onto them and be like hey someone did what they were supposed to do that would feel kind of good yeah I mean to kind of jump on what Philip said earlier um I don't remember if this was this was at the beginning when we were actually recording or not but you know if, if I'm thinking about it from the big 12 standpoint like, I want Baylor to go out and win this game against Houston. If I'm holding mm-hmm. out any glimmer of hope that Kansas can surprise anyone, I want Baylor to look absolutely horrible against Houston and hope <laughs> that Kansas can jump on it the next week. You know, it, but it's, I mean, it's one of those things, you know, I think the biggest takeaway is not necessarily even necessarily the games, but it's what, like Jamie was saying, how, you know, how this tells us that they actually can, you know, kind of pivot and get things set up. And, and the situation for Baylor and Houston is exactly what I had talked about last week when we were talking about the cancellation of the TCU-SMU game um, and what would have to happen. You know, Houston got notice basically two weeks before their game that they weren't going to have the game with Memphis, and so they were able to get something on the schedule with another team that had an open date. And so if, like, if TCU-SMU is going to happen this year, like, I think that's actually a bigger chance that that could potentially happen this year now because, you know, with all this stuff going around and it seems like the AAC teams are having some issues, there is at least a realistic shot that, you know, SMU's opponent in one of those two bye weeks that TCU has could have an issue and, you know, they're going to be looking for a hole to fill at that point. So, you know, it gives kind of some hope that maybe we can actually see some games or there's going to be a lot more flexibility to move things around than we initially thought. Um, But yeah, I mean, I I do think that, you know, it's going to be interesting to kind of see these. I, I think that Oklahoma State should easily be able to kind of help restore a little bit of faith. Um, in the Big 12 this year. And, you know, as long as we've got four teams that are playing really well, um, you know, then hopefully that will be enough to kind of paper over all the problems that the rest of the Big 12 teams are having. Yeah, it would would be good for the Big 12. If I wish you and Baylor could both not just win, but win convincingly, um, not a couple of eke out wins. Like Tulsa's not great. I don't know what to expect of Houston this year with Dana Holgerson in year two. Um, it would be it would be good for the conference if Oklahoma State and Baylor could both win. Like I, I don't mean this like I don't. Let me put it this way: from a conference standpoint, at this point, Kansas State, Iowa State, I don't need you guys to go try and pull off a bunch of upsets. Like that's not going to help anybody except you. And congrats on another <laughs> mediocre sub like okay season. Like from the Big Twelve perspective, outside of you know because OU is going to do what OU does, and Texas should be good this year. It would be good if, if we could get a couple more teams to, to play well um, and, and help the Big 12 earn back some of its respect because this was not good for the Big 12's respect. I'm, I am pumped for, for 11 a.m. games. Again, I hate that they're both at the same time. They're both at 11. Uh, but I know how I will be watching both. I'll be sitting down with my daughter. Uh, she's going to be sitting next to me for about five seconds until she wants to run around and play with whatever things that her grandparents brought her this weekend. I will be enjoying a nice hot cup of Lazy Fair coffee, uh, ethically sourced coffee beans from around the world, roasted right in the heart of Big 12 country in DFW. Okay, they got a variety of great flavors, light, dark roasts, whatever you like. They've probably got one just for you. They've got a great 
coffee dry rub as well. It's really, really tasty. Do yourself a favor. If you're a coffee snob like me, go ahead, go get yourself a bag or two. LazyFairCoffee.com. That's L-A-Z-Y-F-A-I-R coffee. At checkout, use the promo code 1012, T-E-N-1-2. Get 10% off your order on, on coffee, on the dry rub, on the... Uh, the body scrub. Yeah, there's like a... The body scrub. Thank you. I'm like, I don't use body scrub. I don't... I don't but I'm sure it's good. Jamie, have you have you tried your body scrub yet? No, no, I'm I'm needing to get it, and then I will I will have a good review. I I don't know if I've mentioned it on this pod, but I'm a licensed esthetician, so the second that I saw that, I was all about it, all about the skin. We will have a review on that. Gonna need gonna need a review from Jamie here on, on how well this stuff is. So go to lazyfaircoffee.com, 10, 10% off your order. Your coffee snob like me, you're really really gonna like it. I promise. Um, all right, so with all of that said, we've I think we've done enough damage here today. I'm looking forward to this next Saturday. I think you guys are as well. Uh, Andy, I know you got to go record your pod. Uh, I, I'm sure the vitriol and the spit will be spraying. Uh, for those who want to check that out after they listen to this one, where can they do so? Yeah, we're going to go burn it all down over at the Rock Chalk Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Rock Chalk Pod. Um, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Jamie, I keep seeing more and more college basketball news. We're still not sure when the season's going to start, but it's feeling more and it's feeling like some some decisions. Feeling like gonna it's s- going to happen. <laughs> it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's just like it feels like decisions are getting closer I mean. and closer to being made. Okay. Yes. So for people who want to check out your work covering Iowa State and all the other crafty fun things you do, or at least support or promote, where can they do so? Yes, absolutely. You can find me on Twitter at jsteyz, J-S-T-E-Y-Z. That's basically every social media platform, but Twitter I use the most. Twitter is the dark hellhole in which I lose myself on a pretty regular basis, but I am there as well. (laughs) You can follow me at O-K-T-X-A-R-Poke. Of course, follow us, the show, at 1012podcast, T-E-N, the number 12, the word podcast. Give us a follow on the gram. We do a Facebook Live every Wednesday. Sorry, we do an Instagram Live. We don't do a Facebook Live. Every Instagram Live every Wednesday night at 7.30 Central Time with a guest. I do not have a guest lined up for this week, but I will. Uh, we are going to get Parker Fleming on for an Instagram Live soon. We're going to wait till they actually you know, have a game to play since yeah. those guys don't seem to be playing things. All right. Um, so once again, follow Andy, follow Jamie, follow us. Go to homefieldapparel.com. T-E-N, all cap, one, two. Get 20% off your first order. Go to lazyfaircoffee.com, L-A-Z-Y-F-A-I-R, coffee. Uh, Get yourself a bag. Get yourself some rub. Get yourself some... Scrub. (laughs) 10% (laughs) off your order there with 10-12. And we will uh, will make some picks and talk about how poorly Chris and I did on Thursday. And uh, Jamie and Andy will be back with us again next Monday to hopefully have high praise, high praise to heap upon Oklahoma State and Baylor. Sports Social Podcast Network.